And then turn to Revelation chapter 10. To me, one of the most, I'd say, I'd say probably close to the neatest thing that God has ever shown me out of this amazing Bible. Um, and and it, to me, it, it totally solidifies my view of which Bible should we be using. Um, I've, I've looked at other translations. I still look at other translations and I compare. And I find these other translations greatly in wanting of doctrine. Um, what's the other word I'm looking for? You can't find it because I can't find it either. But they, they, they lack God's witness and God's spirit. All scripture is given. That phrase is given is a present tense phrase. That means right now, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration means God, the word inspire is where we get the word respiration and so on. It means what to breathe. And literally it means God breathed the Holy Spirit uh, came upon each one of these men and gave them the exact words not only to write down, but since it uses present tense language, I believe that tells us that as we're reading the Bible, God is inspiring us as we read it. The Bible is, they say that this is an old statement, but the Bible is the only book ever written whose author is present with the person who's reading it. And when you open up this book and you say, Lord, I believe your word, uh, help, help my unbelief, increase my faith, and you start reading this thing, I promise you, God will, God will bless you. Um, but anyway, uh, when I uh, hit upon this, um, I, I just literally was stunned, taken aback. And I believe it does have something to do with what we're reading here. Let's read uh, Revelation chapter 10, starting verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. He was clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. His face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Now, uh, I went into detail the last couple weeks about this little book and why it's in his hand, why it's open. It's obvious to me that that goes back to Revelation 5. That's the book that was in God's right hand. Um, boy, I left, I left something big out. I didn't teach it to you. But anyway, um, we have from now until all of us die or the Lord comes. Amen. I'll, I'll fit it in somewhere. But anyway, uh, the fact that this little book is the book that is in God's right hand, um, uh, Jesus Christ being the only one worthy to open the book, uh, to loose the seals and to open the book, so, uh, if I'm preaching sometime, and you receive a blessing from that message, that's God's glory and praise. He's the one that opened up the word of God to you. Uh, I didn't do it. God did that. So, just always keep that in mind. Any, anytime you hear a, a preacher preach, 
Don't magnify the preacher. Magnify the word of God because that's where the teaching should come from. So he had in his hand a little book open. He set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Now, turn to Psalm 139, 16. I had this up on the screen, but I want you to turn to it. And I want you to make a note there in your Bible. This verse, if you ever wanted something to show someone why you believe God's word is the inspired word of God, that the Bible was not merely written by men the way people say, oh, the Bible, that was written by men, okay, well, apparently your doctrine comes from men because it's not in the Bible, I can tell you that. Men did write it down. But the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I mentioned that. And that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's two witnesses there. Telling you that the source of the words that are in this book were not man-inspired. They were Holy Ghost-inspired. They came from heaven itself. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3, Ezekiel, after he sees the chariot there in Ezekiel 1, uh, the Bible says that a, that a hand came down to him and it had a book in it, a roll of a book. And the voice that he heard was, take the book and eat it. And he did. And he said it tasted like honey. Well, that's what the word of God tastes like. Thy words are sweeter than honey, the Bible says, or something like that. John had the almost identical thing here in Revelation 10. Is that when we get to the end of the chapter, sometime around the year 2039. That was a joke. I'm just checking to see if you're awake. You're laughing now. You have no idea what I said. <laughs> when we get to the end of Revelation 10, somewhere around the year 2039, we'll find out that John is told to take the book and do the same thing that Ezekiel did. Eat it. And what did it taste like? Honey. Very good. You're waking up. So now, Psalm 139. Look at uh, verse 14. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, that means that we did not evolve. We didn't come from a lower life form. We didn't, certainly didn't come from monkeys. Sterling, Brother Sterling here, has one of the wisest things I've, I've ever heard. He said, if man came from monkeys, they're still monkeys. Right? He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The knowledge that as a born-again believer, is the knowledge. And how did your soul get that knowledge? You ate of the Word of God. Your soul put of the Word of God. You, you put knows it. It's on. It's green. I've got plenty of power. Huh? Is it rubbing up against my... Oh, okay. There we go. 
Me and Michael need to work out a sign language thing. My eyes did see my Verse 16, thine eyes did see my perfect. The state that you're in right now is a state of imperfection. You're not perfect. You've not been perfected. You've not been made completely whole. You're not sin-free yet. But you're going to be. You're going to be perfect one of these days. How is that going to happen? Look at verse 16 again. And in thy book. That's what we've been focusing on. The book. In thy book. I told you last Sunday to just study the word book throughout the Bible. And you will have a wonderful time doing that. I promise you. God will open up things to you you never saw before. Maybe at some point tears will come down your eyes for what God is showing you, what God is revealing to you. Because the book to us is everything. There is not one thing in this world that we need from this world to be saved. We don't need this church building. We don't need statues to pray to. Uh, we don't need uh, religious rituals to be performed over us. We don't need uh, water from the River Jordan. And we don't need uh, Peter Popoff's Miracle Spring water. Have you seen that commercial? That guy's nuts, man. He is, I'd say he's crazy like a fox. He's, he is, I won't get into that. Anyway, we don't need anything in this world to save us. What we need to save us, the one thing that can save us is this book. Where else is the gospel written? John 3, 16. Well, that's in the Bible. 1 John 1, 9. That's in the Bible. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's in the Bible. Romans 3, 23. Romans 6, 23. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. All of those places that we give people to show them the way to salvation, all of those come from the word of God. And the gospel was given to us by inspiration of God. So, in this book, now I'm going to show you something. If Some of you have heard this and some of you haven't. But I want you to follow this verse. In thy book, so let's say that it's this right here. All my members were written. If you are a member of the body of Christ, say amen. amen. Okay? Now, I didn't, notice I didn't say a member of Bethel Church. You could be a member of this church and be lost. I've seen that happen before. You could be a member of, some, you could be a member of five churches if you want to and still die lost. But if you're a member of the body of Christ, then so be it. And our name... Is it not written down where? In the book. The book. 
of life. So in thy book, the book of life, all my members, all of those who are born again, are members of the body of Christ, were written, which in continuance were fashioned. How many of you know for a fact that your life is significantly different now than it was when you first got saved? Say amen. Or raise your hand or shout hallelujah or whatever. Okay? Which in continuance were fashioned. So the moment you got saved, God began a work in you. In fact, God began it before you got saved. But now that you're saved, God begins a work in you. And God will continue that work until he appears. And then his work in your life will be over with. You won't need it anymore. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be changed in, from this vile body into a new body. So, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So let's say that um, the day before the day of Pentecost... There was no members of the body of Christ. But then the next day, the Holy Ghost came down. Those men began to speak in the languages and tongues that other people knew. People understood the word. Peter began to preach from Joel chapter 2. This is that which was written. He gave them a portion of the word of God. They received it. And on the day of Pentecost, how many were saved? 3,000 people were saved from one sermon, one teaching, one, one small portion of a, of a huge Bible. All of a sudden now, 3,000 people are saved. So now, you're getting an idea from this one verse of how things happen. When, uh, when as yet there was none of them, let's say that was the day before Pentecost. Then on the day of Pentecost, all of the members were conceived on that day. 3,000 people, and then later on, another 1,000, and then later on, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. And then as the gospel began to be preached, first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and now into the uttermost parts of the world, there are still people being saved this very day. Amen? God is still saving people. He's still growing and building not only His church, but the body of Christ. Okay? Now, let's take this verse now. What we call deoxyribonucleic acid. Don't worry. Memorize that. DNA. Everybody say DNA. Okay? Now, DNA. Here's what, here's what happened. Back in the 1950s, uh, there was a race go on, if, if you call it a race, but there were different groups of scientists who were trying to put together exactly what DNA would look like if we could see it, how it was put together, what chemical compounds... Uh, were used in the creation of DNA, how it was organized and how it was structured. Two men by the name of uh, Watson, Francis Crick, I can't remember Watson's first name, but Watson and Crick won 
the Nobel Prize for science because they were the first ones to come up with what we know as the double helix of DNA, okay? So, so let's take this, this idea of DNA being a book because that was, that was discovered in the 50s. Slowly, over the years, scientists began to add to that knowledge of what DNA was made of, what made it click, what held it together, you know, how it was twisted and turned, what happens when uh, your body needs to read DNA in order to make something that your body needs, and so on. Over the years, that knowledge was uh, added to and built upon. And then you had, in the late 90s, you had a race, another race, to map out the entire human genome. Genome means all of the genes that it takes to make every human being that's on this planet that ever lived or is living now or ever will live, all of the human beings, basically, we all have the same genome. We have uh, what, what makes us different from monkeys? Well, uh, we don't grow fur all over our body, okay? That makes us different. Uh, we can walk upright normally. In a normal fashion, we can walk upright on two feet. Monkeys can walk on two feet, but it's, a, it's, a, it's not as good as humans do. Um, the fact that we can consider our own outcomes. We can think about things that could happen in the future. We could sort of predict what's going to happen. In other words, we have, the, we have self-awareness that animals don't have. Your dog, or let's say, has a pet monkey. Okay? Gary, your pet monkey would never ask you... Um, can we go on vacation in a few weeks? They would never ask you that. They cannot consider an understanding their own existence. All they can do is rely upon instinct, what was born into them, bred into them by genetics, and by training, people training dogs, people training monkeys, this and that and the other. We can train animals up to a certain point, but there's a limit with every animal. They cannot understand and grasp uh, complex ideas. Like, no monkey has asked a human, how big is the universe? They've never pondered that question. They've never, no animal has ever pondered the existence of God. They have no knowledge of God. They just know what they are aware of at any certain time in their life. So our DNA makes us significantly different from every other species in the world. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Okay, now, let me give you a little um, help with this subject of abortion. Um, it's murder. There's no doubt in my mind that it's murder. And a child conceived in a mother's womb is its own unique individual. It is not, and I'm going to repeat this, it is not 
another member of a woman's body. It's not. If you were to take my left hand and cut it off, and then take the DNA, now that it's separated from the rest of my body, and take a DNA sample from my left hand and sample that DNA and compare it with a sample of DNA taken out of my mouth, you would find the exact same DNA. This hand contains all of the DNA that's in all of my body, every cell. Um, a child in a, in a woman's womb contains its own unique DNA sample. In other words, the child inside of a mother's womb does not have the exact same DNA as the mother. It doesn't. So when a woman says, well, it's my body, I have a right to choose. Okay? No, it's not. That thing in your body is not another member of your body and it is not your decision to kill it. It's not. Okay? Uh, is there a law against cutting your pinky off? Thank God, because more than likely I'll do it before I leave this world. Okay? There's not a law against cutting your pinky off, is there? Okay. Is there a law against you cutting somebody else's pinky off on purpose? Huh? Yeah, there is. Okay. So that child inside the mother's womb is not a member of that woman's body. It's not like her arm. It's not like her leg. It's not like her tongue. It's not like her eyeballs. It's not like anything. It has its own unique DNA. That's been proven. So every time... A woman commits herself to having an abortion. She is committing the murder of a life form that by all human rights, right live. Amen? Now, back to Psalm 139, 16. In thy book, all my members were written. I want you to consider that. Because in your DNA, and it's written just like a book. It has, you've heard of the word genes, right? Everybody, do you know what a gene is? Does anybody not know what a gene is? I'll help you if you don't. Let's say that a gene is a chapter out of the Bible or a verse out of the Bible. Let's say John 3.16 is a gene. Okay? What does John 3.16 do? Why do we use it? We use it to convince people that God gave us His only begotten Son to die on the cross and that if we believe in Jesus Christ, we can have everlasting life. It's the, it's the one verse that absolutely spells out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what would John 3.16 be for a church or in a, a, an evangelistic meeting or whatever? John 3.16 would be used to try to create another saved person. 
Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Uh, do we have empty places? Newly saved people can sit down. Yes, we have lots of room. Okay. So if you try to share John 3.16 with somebody, that gene has the potential of making a new convert. Once they're made, we, we bring them here into what we call the body of Christ. Does that make sense? We've added somebody to this body. Okay, now, let's say that, um, let's say like my mouth is almost always dry, like cotton, especially first thing in the morning. I need more spit. Now, where does my spit come from? Do I drink it? Thank God. Is it in the food that I eat? Where does my spit come from? Huh? Salivary glands, okay. But what, what makes it though? I, I mean, there's a gland there that produces it, but what puts it, the right chemicals together to make my saliva? Saliva is not just water. My DNA. My DNA has a, has a sequence called a gene that tells my body how to make saliva. And so every time I need more saliva, the DNA is read where the saliva instructions are and it creates a gallon of saliva for me because I need a gallon of saliva today. Okay? Does that make sense to everybody? Okay? So anything that your body needs, saliva, new skin cells, new heart cells, lung cells, uh, new bone cells, blood cells, any kind of cell any kind of um, chemical compound, any kind of hormone, any kind of tissue that your body needs, the formula to make that member that you need is contained in DNA. And those are called genes. Okay? So, we use the illustration of John 3.16 to illustrate that John 3.16 is like a gene, and that gene is designed to create a new member of the body of Christ. Okay? Now, what, what do we suggest to people who are, who are new converts, who do not save? What's the next step in their, in their following Christ? What do we do? Baptism. So if somebody comes to me and says, Pastor Micah, I, need, I want to be baptized. I've never been baptized. I, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. I don't go to Genesis 1 and start reading the entire Bible to them until we get to the point where we find verses about baptism. I already know in my mind where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Romans 6. Romans 6 describes not only what bat water baptism is about, describes what spirit baptism is, and it defines how we should do it. We are buried with him in death. And that's how we baptize people. We do it like this. We don't splash water in their face and say, you're baptized. That's not baptism. Water baptism is like this, and they're raised again. And that's what Romans 6 tells us. So now, when they get baptized, the doctrine of their baptism or the genes of their baptism came from 
this book. You follow me so far? If anything is to be done in this church or with this church or by this church or through this church, is there anything that we can do for God that is outside of what's written in this book? No. Jesus himself said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. If you're going to do the will of God, if you're going to follow God's will, where would you look for God's will to be written you Facebook YouTube Joe Biden no you're gonna find it in the book so anything that my body needs to make the book makes it okay I spent a lot of time so if I need more cells for my hands they're written in the book if I need skin for my armpit Okay, the skin of my armpit, or the, my, the skin of my elbow is different than, everybody take your elbow and pinch your elbow, pinch your elbow. Does it hurt? Now, take a little piece of skin right here and pinch it, hard. Or let me do it. That makes me fighting mad a pinch. Oh yeah, it ain't the only thing I heard. Um, this skin, even though it's only four inches away from the elbow, this skin is different than this skin. How? The DNA made it that way. We need this skin for temperature control. Because in the wintertime, Gloria, look at her, look at Gloria right now. She's sitting with her, and Monica and Sarah, they're all sitting there with their arms pulled in like this. In the wintertime, we hold in heat, and our arms help us do it with that thin skin. In the summertime, what do we do? Why? That the blood is rushing here and it's being cooled by the air going between our arms. Isn't that something? We do it, we don't even think about it, do we? We don't think about it. But that's how it is. Watch, watch uh, guys playing basketball on TV. They start out maybe playing the game, but they warm up after a while, and when you see them by the third quarter, they're all walking around like this. Why? They're cooling their body, and they don't even know it. So the DNA does all of that, and it does it almost perfectly. My armpit hairs, my lip, my toes, my eyes, everything about my body comes from this book. Now, here's the question I'm going to ask you. What makes the DNA, I don't, know how, I don't even know how to ask this question. What makes the DNA work? What makes it work? Huh? I can't, I, the inventor, okay, that's the author. The author, the inventor. The author and finisher of our faith, the author of our salvation, okay? The book automatically does what needs to be done because it needs to be done. This time of year when we have season, what is it that when we catch like a, a cold virus or a flu virus, what is it 
that automatically kicks in gear our immune system, our DNA. But what rules over our DNA? Nothing. Which means that the DNA of our body rules over every other member of the body. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? This book rules over every member of the body of Jesus Christ. And when you read this book and you believe this book, trust me, my friends, God is going to do what he said he will do according to this book. Somebody say amen. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't need our, our demanding him to do it. I didn't go upstairs this morning and say, God, I'm going to throw a fit and a spell and I'm going to kick everybody in this church if you don't get Facebook going. I didn't do that. I bowed my head before a thrice holy God. And I said, God, would you please get Facebook working? Bada boom. The book did it. The book did it. So who's in charge of this church? Me? Uh-uh. I'm just a book reader. That's all I am is a book reader. I'm going to come up here this morning. I'm going to read you out of this book. What the Holy Spirit has led me to say to somebody who needs it. I'm going to read out of this book. And the book is going to do in you what needs to be done. That's the miracle of it. Is that nothing has to make your DNA work. It automatically does. Because the DNA is in charge of everything. See, I want to do a cartwheel right now. I'm happy. I can't do cartwheels though. Nope. Nope, that's a hospital visit. We're not going to do it. So, we'll talk about this next Sunday. Father, we ask your blessings on your word today. Lord, this, I, I love this book, Father. I love it. I thank you, God, for everything you've shown me. I pray, dear God, that you would just give me a lifetime to share with people the things, Lord, that I believe, things that I know. And Father, wherein I'm wrong, and I will be wrong, and I'm wrong, Lord, where in any place I'm wrong, dear God, that the book would correct me. Beautiful sentence people this morning in Jesus' name. And all God said, Amen. amen.